Welcome to Combo Keepers, where we talk about combo characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we have specially prepared another Crisis on Infinite crossover style episode where we discuss a wonderfully weird interpublisher comic crossover. But it's even more exciting because I am joined by an immensely talented comedy writer and creative who has worked in TV, podcasts, digital comedy, video games, and of course, comics. You may have seen his work on HBO Max, Disney+, Comedy Central, and YouTube. He co-wrote the two-time Eisner-nominated graphic novel Bubble and has a brand new young adult horror comedy graphic novel dropping on July 16th of this year. I'm talking to none other than Cotton Candy Randy himself, Jordan Morris. Welcome to the show, Jordan. <laughs> hi, hi. Great to be here. Great intro. Thank you, thank you. I feel set up to succeed. You should be because I have had the pleasure of reading your upcoming graphic novel, Youth Group. Yes, yeah. Again, thank you for sending that. Happy to do it. Uh, you're one of the first. I haven't sent it to many folks yet. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's nice to, nice to get some eyes on it, especially somebody who is a regular comics fan. So yeah. Regular, I say, not because you're a regular comic book reader, not just like you're ordinary. I totally get it. There's, so, there's, there's those people who don't read a lot of comics. You know what I mean. I don't want to insult you right at the top of the show. So. <laughs> That's why I'm doing so much legwork to clarify what I meant. Totally understandable. But spoiler alert, I love Youth Group, and we're going to get you. into a spoiler-free discussion a little bit later in the episode. But as soon as you had reached out about jumping on the show to do a little bit of promotion for this book, I was like, I, I know this person from somewhere. It's like, where do I, where have I seen Jordan Morris before? <laughs> and that's when I realized Good Mythical Morning where yes. I have been traumatized by the image of Cotton Candy Randy <laughs> yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, I uh, I am a, a regular uh, contributor, let's say, to a, a great YouTube show called Good Mythical Morning. It's hosted by Rhett and Link, and they are two hilarious guys who do uh, challenges and games and just generally goof around in a very hilarious and affable way over there on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I play a recurring character called Cotton Candy Randy. He's like the Santa of International Cotton Candy Day who is uh, gross and maybe from another dimension. <laughs> so yeah, like like the Joker, he has uh, he has many many possible origins. You're never you're never sure. Uh, what this guy's deal actually is. But yeah, I've been doing that on that show for, um, gosh, a while now. And yeah, it's really yeah. it's really fun to go over there and uh, just kind of be generally upsetting for a couple minutes. It's hilarious. I, I watch it with my wife. It's a fun show. And every oh, single nice. time you're on, uh, it, I don't know, there's just something about it where the energy shifts and just a lot of hilarity sure. ensues. So <laughs> good, uh, good. I was very excited to to have you reach out about talking about your your work but I'm I'm really I'm curious, how did you start in the comedy writing field? Like where what's your origin for getting into this this genre? Sure. So I was like a comedy nerd as a kid. I was a, a general nerd about, a, you know, a couple of different things. Uh, but yeah, definitely one of them was comedy. I loved, you know, I watched SNL every week. I was a Kids in the Hall fan, a Mystery Science Theater fan. So yeah, I loved comedy. And uh, but, you know, I didn't grow up like knowing a lot of creative adults, you know, like it never, it took me a while to realize that like comedy was a job that some people had. Um, yeah, I, I think I, uh, you know, I, I, I liked it and I kind of liked comedy and being funny. So I kind of, I, I used that energy 
in like high school uh, uh, in the drama club. You'll be shocked to know I was a drama kid. So yeah, so <laughs> I we did like plays and we did some like improv classes and we did some like little improv shows. So that's kind of, um, you know, some like early comedy junk that I started doing. Um, but yeah, I was never really, you know, I was never really clear on how like that could be a job or how, you know, that was something that people did for a living. Um, but when I went to college, I went to, uh, UC Santa Cruz, um, shout out to the banana slugs, any banana slugs listening. Um, that is our bad mascot. Um, (laughs) yeah, I started doing, you know, like improv and sketch in college and our college sketch group um, started doing like comedy festivals. And so we would, uh, you know, travel up to, you know, San Francisco to do shows and, you know, some some, you know, further further flung places to do sketch shows. And we would like kind of meet other other performers. And these were like people who were more pro. They were people who like did sketch comedy, but also, you know, auditioned and wrote and stuff like that. So that's when I kind of started meeting pros and kind of talking about like how, how one makes that a job. So yeah, when I, uh, when I graduated from college, I moved down to, uh, LA, Los Angeles, you know, it, you love it and started doing like PA jobs. So I, you know, it's the lowest rung on the show business ladder. You, you get coffee, you make a lot of photocopies, you take the boss's car to get washed. Uh, you know, any, any, yeah, you buy, you buy clothes for Fran Drescher's dog, literally something I did once. Um, So yeah, you do all that kind of thing and you kind of learn about, you know, the ins and outs of TV production. And so while I was doing that, I was also, uh, you know, in the evenings after I got off work doing improv classes and improv shows and sketch shows at, um, you know, like the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and other kind of similar places. So that's, you know, kind of when I started meeting uh, other comics, other writers, other people who were kind of trying to do it for a living and... Yeah, that's kind of how it all started. I, I I started, you know, you know, I had this period where I was doing the kind of show business grunt work, and then in the evenings trying to do my own comedy, and just kind of gradually, um, you know, once in a while started to get paid for it, and then was able to, you know, thank, thank, you know, thank the Lord, make it my full time job. So yeah. And I'm really lucky I've gotten to do a lot of different kinds of things. Like I do a lot of TV writing. I do a lot of animation writing, but I've also got to, you know, goof around with Threat and Link. I've gotten to do comics, which has been such a such a huge thrill. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've gotten to try a bunch of different things and uh, have a lot of fun trying them. The rabbit hole that is your IMDb page is so fascinating. It's weird. Yeah, I realize it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> but it but it's so eclectic. Yeah. Is there a particular project? Once you finished it, that you were particularly proud of, not related to comics yet, because of course you're going to okay. be very proud of Bubble, and sure. and you should be very proud of Youth Group that's about to drop yeah. too. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as far as non comics work that I've done that I've really liked, um, yeah, I uh, you know I I I love the stuff I've done for Good Mythical Morning and the fact that like some of those running jokes are still like happening and you know <laughs> spawning t-shirts and stickers and people's tattoos that's really really cool um i do a chat podcast called jordan jesse go um that's been going on for like 15 years and uh yeah me and my buddy jesse thorne we just kind of like 
goof around on a podcast once a week. It is um, very podcast 1.0. It's, you know, two white guys and a guest goofing off. We know about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sure, yes, a, 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 a familiar genre. Um, so, yeah, but I, I am really proud of, like, that show's longevity and the fact that we have such a nice, cool community of fans that keeps the show going. Um, yeah, we're, you know, we're not... We're no, you know, we're no smartless. We're no uh, whatever that podcast Dax Shepard hosts is called. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we have a, a nice a nice group of nerds um, who like the show. And it's really, really, really cool to like, you know, connect, connect with people in that way. Because I think those like, I mean, I'm a podcast fan and I like I, I like cherish all of my little earbud friends that I have who, who come into my brain uh, once a week. So, yeah, it's nice to like. It, it, yeah, it's it's nice to it's nice to have a little like community like that that's so cool and positive and you know just is happy to hear you goof around for a couple hours every week. So yes, I'm really proud of Jordan Jesse Go, and uh, yeah, and I've done a lot of animation writing that I really love. Um, there's some stuff kind of coming out uh, later this year um, that I'm really stoked about. Uh, I've written some episodes of, uh, Unikitty that I really like, uh, that is a spinoff of the Lego movie about the character Unikitty. Um, and I think those really like turn out really beautifully and funny. And, uh, yeah, I'm working on some other stuff now that's just, just been a blast. And obviously animation takes a while, but, um, yeah, I'm excited yeah. for folks to see it. Unikitty was a standout character from Lego movie. So now I need to go yeah, watch hilarious. those episodes. They're really funny. Yeah, they're definitely like four kids, but I think, you know, a stoned adult might find something funny about them too. So, yeah. <laughs> perfect. The perfect blend. You don't have to be stoned, but yeah. Right. It, it just helps. Obviously, now that you are in the world of, of comedy writing, what was the catalyst for your love of comics? Yeah. So I, you know, I mentioned being a comedy nerd uh, growing up. Um you know, nerdy kids have a lot of different, you know, outlets for nerdiness. Um, and, you know, in addition to like loving comedy and stuff like that, I also loved comics. Um, you know, I grew up in the 90s. So like Spider-Man comics with a lot of clones in them. Uh, the yes. Jim Lee X-Men were huge for me. Um, yeah. Uh, Archie comics. My mom was getting us Archie comics uh, from the from the supermarket you know, since, for, you know, for as long as I can remember, if we were pitching a fit in the supermarket, we we got an Archie comic to to, <laughs> to calm us down. And um, Mad Magazine, Mad Magazine was huge for me. That's definitely a little overlap between comics and comedy, like just those really joke packed panels, parodying things that maybe I didn't quite know what they were parodying, but I kind of knew it was funny and wanted to laugh at it. Um yeah, so like all that stuff I just totally loved and had always kind of wanted to try writing comics and took a couple of whacks at it in my 20s but didn't really get anywhere. Um yeah, but I'm I always I'm in I, you know, I'm I'm in awe of it. I really think that like comics can be so beautiful and I am not I am I don't have any visual art skills, so like people who draw comics I'm so in awe of. So yeah, the fact that I've gotten to like help make them is is it's so cool it's definitely kind of a recent thing in my life but i'm i'm really excited and happy that i get to do it so you mentioned that your family would buy you the rg comics and yes. you've had the opportunity to actually write 
some Archie yeah. comics as well. What did it feel like coming full circle in that moment when you got to have the reins of the Archie universe? It's so cool. Yeah, I've done a few stories for their Chilling Adventures line, which is like the horror line, um, where that that I'm I'm surprised how fucked up they let us get with those. You can like. <laughs> kill you can cut off archie's head in every issue and no one cares <laughs> he's just back in the next one there's no continuity yep. they they're cool with gore they like gore they like him be to be a little disturbing um so yeah that, that's been so much fun and i think you know any every every creative person i think struggles with this thing where they want the, they want their parents to be impressed but oftentimes parents are not and, you know, because, a, a, you know, an older person's media diet is like network TV and Yellowstone, right? So if you're not right. working on one of those things, sometimes it goes over their head when you're working on something you're excited about. Um, but when I told my mom I was going to do an Archie, she was so excited. It was so, yeah, it was so cool. It's just like there's just these characters that you kind of forget have been around forever, like so long. our 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 parents read those their parents read them and just like those characters are so enduring and they're like you know and there've been a lot of archie changes over the years but like the core of those is still the same and it's like it's it, it's endured because it's such a winning formula and they're such fun characters that you love even you know when it is fun to see their heads get chopped off you still <laughs> you still like them absolutely uh yeah so it's it was really neat it was really neat to like contribute to something that's been going on that long and you know just just from a you know pure freudian standpoint it's it's cool to it's cool to do something that your that your parents like when we were discussing what additional comic we wanted to cover on the show because initially it was just going to be more of an interview and then you yeah. brought up the option of doing an inter-publisher crossover style episode that that we've done in the past yes and i i really want to hear your experience with inter-publisher crossovers do you have a memory of coming across something that you didn't know existed and it kind of blowing your mind oh yeah nothing, nothing quite like we're talking about today although i uh you know i think the first time i listened to your show was your archie versus predator episode yes. which i you know it's a comic i love and you know it's so fun to hear hear y'all talk about that it's such a great book. Yeah, that I know. It's so cool. It's so wild that they did that. Um, and it's like, all right, uh, Predator's fighting Wolverine now, but like eh, Archie did it better. I think we can all agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I haven't read those Wolverine comics. I'm sure they're great. Um, but yeah, I, I but I, I, you know, I remember like coming across media that I didn't know had a comic associated with it. I loved the Marvel Street Fighter comics they put out. I don't know if you remember those. I do. Yep. Yeah, those were huge for me. Um, yeah, so it's like just kind of fun to see other media, you know, transmutated into comics. And especially like for a kid, uh, you know, it's just like, it's yeah, so amazing to be able to like read a story about <laughs> Ryu and Sagat that, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, that you didn't know existed. Um, yeah, especially for stuff like that, that like is a little, you know, thinner on story to have it kind of fleshed out in comics is really, really cool. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely one for me. Yeah. For me, it was my college roommate had gotten me into reading more comics uh -huh. and we went into a local comic shop and I was just flipping through their, like just their back stock. And I pulled out Speed Demon, which is the amalgam crossover comic between marvel and dc where it's the oh, amalgamated right. character of yes. like flash and the demon 
And it, it blew my mind that that existed because right. I had no idea about what the Amalgam universe was. And I think at that exact moment was when I realized how fun comics can be and just how totally. weird they can get. Yeah. Which perfectly leads us into the comic that you chose for yes. this episode, which is Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. Love that there's two versuses in there. <laughs> I love that everybody <laughs> is versus everybody else. Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild. Uh, Twenty three enter, one one leaves. Um, yeah, this was such a cool idea. I had just like seen this on the shelf at my at my local shop, and I hadn't picked it up, and just like thought it would be a fun excuse to do for this episode. Because yeah, like uh, those Godzilla Kong uh, movies are so much fun. They're a blast. Uh, both the remake and the original. I think we had the original Godzilla versus Kong on VHS, and I just watched that thing until it warped. So yeah, the fact that they're throwing in the Justice League, what's more fun than that? Uh, nothing. I'll answer my own question. Nothing's more fun than that. Modern pantheon of superheroes versus the biggest kaiju properties in the world. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's like it's so wild that like they're taking a crossover and just crossing it over with another thing. It's so and kind of like you said, it's just that kind of comics insanity. It's like, you know, this is for fans. You know, everybody gets this stuff. Everybody, you don't have to like hold people's hands through genre storytelling tropes. It's just like. Kong's fighting Godzilla and they're all fighting the Justice League. Cool, right? That's what you want to see. <laughs> so it's it's so nice. It's it's so much fun. I I've I've had such a fun time with this series so far. Godzilla is having a time right now because we just had Godzilla minus one. Yeah, how good was that, huh? Came out of nowhere. That movie blew me away. Yeah, me too. And the budget what was it, fifteen million? Oh yeah. I mean, right? Totally. Something absurd like that in the visuals so cool. that we got. Yeah, gorgeous movie. Brilliant. Totally. The best human storyline I've ever seen in a Godzilla or Kaiju yeah. film, period. It's so it's so focused, right? That movie is so like it's just the story of that guy. It's the story of that guy who who couldn't go through with his kamikaze bombing. And like there are other great characters in that movie, but it's kind of his story. And it while I was watching it, I really kind of realized how different that is from the legendary movies which this takes place in that universe and i like all those movies they're like a ton of fun and have a lot of good stuff and a lot of good actors but like they jump back and forth between a bunch of different human characters and at a certain point you know they're you're more interested in some than you are in others right yeah and it's so nice for godzilla minus one it's like you have godzilla and then you just have this guy who was dealing with this insane stuff and it's so nice to like have him to kind of follow through the story as opposed to kind of like jumping around to a bunch of different people which you know again can be fun and and they have great casts for those movies but just i don't know i liked the focus of godzilla minus one a lot yeah it, that's exactly what i was gonna say the focus in that film is so totally. brilliantly done and the first time i've ever been invested in a human storyline where I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Godzilla can hold off for a second. I need to find out what's going on in this individual's totally. life that is now going to be further impacted. Yeah, absolutely. It's so well done. Something that's really neat about that movie is for the first time ever, I was scared of Godzilla, right? Like the, the suspense in that movie works. The tension works. And again, I love Godzilla movies, but most of the ones that we like saw on cable as kids were like 
kind of campy, kind of schlocky. Yes. Um, the original, obviously, is its kind of own thing and is this you know, beautiful, forlorn meditation about what happens when the atomic bomb is unleashed. Uh, cold, that's a cold-ass movie guy take. I know. No one needs to unpack that again. But, you know, there were so many campy, goofy Godzilla movies, which, of course, like, are awesome in their own way. But it was it was cool to see a movie where you're like, oh, I'm I'm scared of this. Like he's a he's a force of nature. He's he's the atomic bomb. He's an act of God. He's, you know, just this this destructive force and and really scary, really scary. There's some Jaws like scenes in that movie where he's coming up from under the boat. It works so well. I I, I really, really loved it. Just the collective gasp. In Godzilla Minus One, when he regenerates from yeah. the bomb in his face, right. I will never forget. Because totally. everyone was like, oh, this is something else. Because it's not like he just was unfazed. No, no, he had his face half blown off and yeah. it just grows back. <laughs> Wild. Did you, did, were you a kaiju movie fan growing up? Have oh, you, have you I, seen all I these? I love, I love kaiju movies. Me too. It's such a great genre. Just throw it on, turn your brain off and just have an absolute blast. Totally. We get more of that coming out soon because what is it? It's Godzilla X Kong. That's the Godzilla next Godzilla X Kong. Yeah, we, we get this team <laughs> up, and they're going to be fighting another gigantic uh, gorilla. Yeah, some sort of Turbo Kong. I don't. I don't know that the 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 big bad in this has any uh, has any precedent in any kaiju movies. Although, if he has, let us know in the comments, please. But right. um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see them team up. Yeah, just those those shots in the trailer of them like. Rushing into Running. battle side by side <laughs> are so much fun. I, I I love it. Again, Godzilla minus one worked really well, being kind of a serious character piece. But I'll 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 take a little bit of this too. Thank you very much. You gotta yeah have some dessert after your meal, right? Exactly. You have to have the absurdity of a gauntleted Kong running with a now pink Godzilla towards yeah. another new enemy. Very right. excited to see what happens there. Me too. I'm stoked. Let's dive into Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. This was written by uh, Brian, and I'm so sorry because I know I'm going to butcher the last name. Is it is it Bucalado or Bucilado? I don't know either. Yeah, I um uh yeah I I feel like in my head I've been saying uh, Bucilado. Um, apologies to Brian. Uh, did a great job with this book. I was going to ask you, as as someone who does a comics podcast, do you know the creative team? Uh, have you read any of their other books? I have read other works from Busolato before. Uh-huh. I don't recognize Christian Deuce's name right off the bat, but I'm sure if I look it up, I could find something. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember. There is also something very recent that I read from Brian that uh, just, it's like, escaping my mind right now but i've been what i have read from them i remember very much enjoying and the writing in this story it's so much fun it's a blast you you get this like really enjoyable justice league team dynamic Mm -hmm. and brian just gets everyone's voice so clearly totally uh, there's some like banter between the Flash and Green Lantern that I think is really done, really well done, and they're like arguing about who the most annoying member of the Justice League is. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really well done scene. Uh, yeah, I think their their banter over the years has been so good, and he he really nails that. Yeah, and so we also have artist Christian Deuce. We have Luis Guerrero, who is the colorist. Richard Starkings and Comic Crafts Jimmy Bedencourt is the are the letterers. 
Then we have Ben Abernathy, who is DC Comics Editor, as well as Robert uh, Napton, who is the Legendary Comics Editor, because this is a crossover between DC Comics and Legendary Comics. So Mm -hmm. the Legendary Film Studio, who is doing all of the Godzilla X-Kong films, King of Monsters, like all those films is from Legendary Studios now. Like we've already mentioned, this comic is just so enjoyable to consume yeah. There, there is a gigantic ape named Titano that's shooting Kryptonian beams or, or kryptonite beams at Superman. And he's just like knocking him out and being done with it before the other Justice League members can even show up. Yeah, it is funny that <laughs> we do see some like canonical DC giant apes before we see Kong. It's like uh, these guys have dealt with giant apes before. There's a whole island of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. It is it it is kind of interesting to like you know the job you have to do in this is like the Justice League deals with like this right they've dealt with giant monsters they I mean, again uh, gorillas a plenty uh, yes. uh with w- for these guys but like they do do a good job of like making these legendary monsters seem like an actual threat right like uh um i don't know how spoilery we want to get with this we go full spoilers i'll issue a spoiler alert here yes. for a couple of issues superman is like in some sort of coma state because godzilla blasts him so they do a good job of like of making sure you know that these this is a this is a different ball game like this is a different like threat than they've dealt with before and the danger is real. So I think they're doing a good job with that. And I think <laughs> including Titano is a funny, like, yeah, it, it's funny to see them deal with one of their usual apes. So then when you get to Kong, there's this sense of like, okay, this is, this is different. And, you know, something to be taken a little bit more seriously than Titano. Yeah. They're like Titano got to be in there. Gorilla Grodd has to be in the storyline as well. Oh yeah. You gotta Gleep. Where's Gleep? <laughs> we haven't seen <laughs> Gleep yet. Right. <laughs> No. Uh, and, and Grodd basically views Kong as this ape god, which is yeah. adds a whole nother layer of hilarity because cool. the rest of the Legion of Doom is just like, where is Grodd? What's he doing? And there's like, oh, he's out there worshiping Kong right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Legion of Doom dynamic is so funny in this. I really I, I really enjoy it. And I love that uh, the, the, the toy maker is such a big part of this. I love, uh, you know, love a love a deeper cut character that's kind of brought to the front for the story. I, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. And, and the premise behind this whole story is that Clark is finally going to be proposing to Lois. Yeah. He set up this very cute uh, situation on the rooftop of the Daily Planet where they first really met. Clark is about to propose to Lois. And then all of a sudden, we have Godzilla coming out from the ocean and Clark has to go into yeah. action. Yeah. We, we get this playback of what happened leading up to that moment, which is yeah. where we obviously have the Legion of Doom that are are playing a role in what is happening. And the whole concept that they had was is they were going to break into the Fortress of Solitude, steal very specific items in order to send the Justice League to the Phantom Zone so they no longer had to deal with them. Yes. Um, great plan. And yeah, definitely like a lot of fun DC lore in there. I think they're Oh gosh, what's the sled that they're trying to steal? It's something from like it's something from like New Genesis. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, a lot of fun like little DC Easter eggs in there. Yeah, it's it's from New Gods. There you go. Yeah. While they're in the Fortress of Solitude, 
they basically say, okay, nobody touch anything except for the specific things that we're looking for because right. they want a mother box and they want uh, the sled and o- Orion sled. That's what it there is. There you go. Yeah. Because that with those two things combined, they are going to send the entire Justice League to the Phantom Zone. No longer have to deal with them. They've accepted the fact that they're not going to beat them head to head in battles, right. which is why they've come up with this other plan. It's exactly who you mentioned. So Toy Man, Toy Maker, that doesn't listen and grabs a specific gem, which I didn't realize what the gem was when he did it. Did you? No, I. It's this. Is this from the from the deeper lore somewhere? Uh, yeah, maybe I missed this. Yeah. So this is the Dreamstone, which also heavily played into uh, Wonder Woman. Is it Wonder Woman eighty four? Oh, I don't know. I haven't read that yet. Um, please tell me more. This is really cool. So, well, Wonder Woman eighty four was the film that the second Wonder Woman film, the Gal Gadot. Uh, oh, Wonder right. Woman film that came out. Yes. Oh, okay. I, gosh, I thought you were talking about those Wonder Woman seventy seven comics. Oh, that those are, are amazing. Carter. I haven't read those. Um, but no, yeah, those you know, I actually never saw that Wonder Woman sequel. Um, okay, so this is something that uh, played into that. Yes. Okay. Toy Man finds the Dreamstone. Uh, something happens, and the Mother Box is activated while the Justice League members are going to the Fortress of Solitude. And their encounters then lead to the activation of the mother box and Legion of Doom disappears. And we find that they are now stranded on Skull Island because it is a skull crawler that they immediately see upon landing here. Yeah, this is one of the monsters from Kong Skull Island, right? This is the kind of skeleton lizard. That's a neat movie. The creature design in that movie is insanely good i really like all the you know kong looks great in that movie but yeah all the other like skull island critters are are so neat they did a fantastic job with all of those creature designs in that film and it, it looks fantastic too the the cinematography in that skull island film is brilliant yeah it really is and and uh i know i think i've gotten to issue four and you have not yet there is some some additional creatures that you're going to meet in issue four who i don't think are from the movies but they really look like they could be. And I think that okay. that I, I don't I don't know if these are coming from like the legendary design vault or if these are like the artist's creation, but like he's doing such a good job of like making these the things from the legendary universe all seem like they fit together. Um yeah, there's some there's some pretty wild monsters coming up and uh and and yeah, it's really really but they all do seem like they came through the same portal. Right. And at this point now, Toy Man is being is being tired of being the like the brunt of all the jokes. So he makes yes. the wish using the Dreamstone, and this is when uh, the various kaiju monsters are then transported mm-hmm. to the the Earth that we know us. Because right. it's it's very clear that Skull Island does not exist on the Earth that Justice League exists on right with that we then get monsters all over the place so we have a few that i had never seen before so in central city there was uh, sila which is this like giant crab cthulhu looking monster yeah i think those pop up in kong skull island i think i recognize those from that movie but the rewatch it yeah, it's neat. Uh, but the bat creature that flies around Gotham, the thematically appropriate bat creature that attacks <laughs> Gotham, I right. think this was invented for this book, and and he really looks cool. Yeah, he does. So, in, in, like you mentioned, in Gotham, there is that giant bat creature, which is Kamazats. 
Okay. Uh, which of which of course Bruce immediately knows the the lore behind this creature. Yeah. <laughs> Dude knows his bats, you know. Yeah, I gotta it know all the bats. He's reading up on bats and you know their legendary origins. Yeah. Well, when you have trauma, you you gotta right, dive course. deep yes. into the mythology yes. of what your trauma is. Yes, it's all about trauma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On Themyscira, there is uh, Behemoth, and then Metropolis, obviously, we have Godzilla, which yeah. leads directly into the beginning of issue two, which is Superman versus Godzilla. So cool. Yeah, it's it's a fun, it's such a fun fight, and yeah, the, they do, do such a, a great job with those those big fight pages. Uh, yeah, and really neat that, uh, that, that the Godzilla breath knocks out Superman. It really, really makes you... Uh, yeah, really makes you you realize that there's a there's a threat here because yeah, I guess there's a world where like an overpowered Superman just knocks Godzilla's head off with one punch, and <laughs> you know then him and Lois go off to get married. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of kind of kind of fun to see him in danger. Absolutely, and I think they they play up that danger right. because all all of these auxiliary Justice League members have been called in to help out, and Kara, so Super Supergirl is yeah. also there. And she is helping out. I think she's over on the island with uh, Sila, so she's mm-hmm. in Central City. And as soon as Godzilla hits Superman with that atomic breath, while he's trying to save Billy Batson, who has transformed himself back into Billy after using the lightning to try and defeat Godzilla, it didn't work out. Yeah, I love that part of like recent Shazam stuff where he can use the transformation lightning as a weapon. Uh, I feel like I have seen that before in Shazam stuff, but this is such a fun use of it. He like grabs onto Godzilla's head, says Shazam, and then the lightning bolt hits Godzilla, but it turns him into a kid who Superman has to save from falling. It's a great little scene, really well done. And yeah, I love the creativity of like using the using the Shazam bolt to uh, as as kind of an offensive move. It's it's so smart, but it, it is it is really brutal though when Kara stops exactly what she's doing in Central City and is like, I can't hear Kal-El's heartbeat yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Being able to have this link to your relative that you care very much for, and then yeah. no longer having that link have it severed is like a truly terrifying thing for someone with so much power like these Kryptonians. Yeah. And, you know, and they do such a good job of giving everybody little moments in this. And there are a lot of characters. There's a lot going on in this and they are kind of ping ponging back and forth between, between people. Um, but yeah, the, the, the writer really, really knows them and, and is doing kind of a lot with these little moments. I, I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a, it's a cool, like it's yeah, there's a, there's a version of this, where you get unsatisfying scenes with right. different characters and it's just more about the fights, but yeah, they, they, they really stuff in a lot of characters, but they, they make it count. It's, it's, it's really well done. When you have a cast this large in a comic, it can easily get away from you. Yeah. But exactly like you mentioned, everybody gets their moment yeah. and it doesn't jump to the next one without you feeling like something truly has occurred in one moment. Sure. You know, it, it kind of like there's a world where it is a little more Godzilla minus one, where it's just Superman versus Godzilla, and that's the story. And you could make a very cool comic out of that for sure. But like, what it says on the box, this is promising you Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. So you have to have <laughs> all of those elements. And yeah, it, it's 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 part of the fun, and it's 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 a balancing act that I think that that I think they pull off really well. I will say it hurt my heart that. Jason just got punked out 
in Gotham though, because <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Jason Todd want that. yeah he wants to have this moment where he's going to take out the giant bat creature Kamazats. Yeah. Uh, he shoots it in the eye, and it immediately attacks the city and. The rest of the Bat family is like, we told you not to do this, and this happened. He's right. like, well, I wanted to do it, and then he just gets knocked out cold by Batgirl. I'm, I'm wondering if that is a little callback to. Um, no, I'm I'm a big fan of those uh, of those JLI comics from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if this is a little tribute to Batman knocking out Guy Gardner with one punch. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I I kind of felt that, and Jason Todd definitely has like Guy Gardner energy, has like you know <laughs> Dick swinging whole energy oh, so yeah absolutely. fun to see it fun to see fun to see babs uh babs knock him out with the one punch i i like that moment a lot yeah his attitude in this deserved to be punched out i am a big jason todd fan but this oh, version sure. of jason definitely needed to uh be humbled and right. i th- i think having a member of your bat family knock you out is is pretty great mm-hmm. what did you think of Ollie, so Green Green Arrow being stranded on another deserted island in this. It's great, and he kind of he kind of calls it out too. He's like, he, I forget what the exact line is, but there's something like, I do pretty good on deserted islands. So yeah, that's a fun little Easter egg. Yeah, it's a great use of him. You know, it's a great use of the guy who has the like tracking and survival skills. Um, yeah, his his little storyline is really fun. Um, uh, yeah, this it goes to some cool places in in issue four, which you haven't read yet. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm enjoying the uh, the Green Arrow inclusion here. Yeah, it's so good. And then we get Black Canary that shows up as well. Cyborg is involved. I I had a lot of fun with issue three where Flash and uh, Hal. So Flash and Green Lantern are both at the Iron Heights prison, which is where the Sila kaiju yeah. is at. There's this fog there that slows Flash down enough to where the other rogues gallery members can just start destroying Flash. They beat him yeah. down real bad mm-hmm. at one point. It's a lot of fun. Love, uh, yeah, love, uh, love to see Captain Cold <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really fun bit, and yeah, it's it, it's it is uh, right because the Flash can be overpowered in so many situations. So it's nice that we kind of like have some sort of in universe method to uh, you know stop him and up the danger a little bit. And the whole time there just is this like teeter totter of who's in danger, whether it's Hal or Barry. Just yeah. going back and forth, and as soon as one is free of something, they're worried about the other one. Yeah, it's neat. This is a really like well done scene, and yeah, fun to see all those deep cut villains villains in one scene. Captain Cold, as we mentioned, uh, who else we got in there? You got Black uh, Black Manta, Cheetah, there. Black Manta. Yeah, I guess these aren't deep cut villains. These are maybe B listers. Let's call them. They're making their way up. Yeah, and then Black Manta, we learn has hired Deathstroke to go find Toy Man. In order oh, yeah. to figure out what the heck is going on with him using the Dreamstone to cause everything going on. Because they want to take out the Justice League. And currently these monsters are taking out every single city that they're going to. So there right. is a limit to how much destruction they really want to cause. Mm-hmm. Which is is nice to see. We jump back to Oliver on Skull Island. He sees Kong fighting a bunch of different monsters. Kara shows up to try and help out Ollie. She has to punch Kong because she doesn't know if he's being an aggressor or not but right. to me it didn't look like he was being the aggressor in that situation she was just concerned about his potential for harm so i thought this was an interesting moment to me this played as like a little easter egg to the original kong like kong stopped because he saw 
a blonde woman, you know? Right. And she is kind of a Fey Ray in this situation, but instead of getting taken by Kong, she knocks him the fuck out. I love <laughs> this. And I think that, like, I, you know, I love the original Kong. The original Kong is so good. Again, you know, it is a movie that is, uh, you know, pretty problematic. Uh, uh, I'm not the first one to say it. It definitely, like, some parts of it haven't aged well, but the cool stuff about King Kong is still really, really cool. And yeah, it is kind of fun to see, <laughs> to, to see like, this is kind of like justice for Fay Ray a little bit, it seems like. It is, seems like it, it, this is one blonde woman that Kong can't just grab and <laughs> take up the Empire State Building. It real kind of fun to see him get knocked out. I know Kong is like kind of more of a hero in uh, in these, but uh, this was this was a fun moment, I thought. Yeah, there's some some justice for past characters in this one. Right. With the end of issue three, we get the Bat family that are the first to take out their kaiju. Mm -hmm. So Kamazats gets hit by this machine that Cyborg helps to build along with Batgirl to increase the frequency of Black Canary's scream mm -hmm. because they have found the frequency within the bat and they're like, it probably has the same weakness as it's using. And it does. They knock it out. They keep it asleep. Shazam now shows up letting Bruce know that Clark is dead and Bruce doesn't want to hear it whatsoever. He's like, nope, I, I want to see Clark. We're not telling Lois anything until I see this for myself because it's Batman and he's not going to let Superman go out like that. Mm hmm. And then the final image from issue three is them trying to figure out where this beacon is coming from that's causing the kaiju to act up because there is some frequency going on that they're all being affected by. And we, of course, find Luther with a giant machine that is beeping in the Chihuahua desert. Yeah. Whew, th there's a lot going on in these three there's issues. There's a lot going on. I know. <laughs> I know. It sounds like we've described a hundred issue run of comics here, but <laughs> it's really, really packed. But again, I think, yeah, really like really fun moments for everybody. And it is, it is easy to follow despite like how much there is going on. And yeah, and all the stuff like, you know, like you mentioned the Dreamstone. I didn't know it, but it didn't detract from my, you know, having fun with the book. So I think that yeah. like, obviously with, with DC, there's so much continuity stuff. Sometimes you get lost, but this stuff, it feels like fun Easter eggs, not like something you have to know or else you'll be lost. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure they will get so many new readers for this thing just because, you know, Godzilla's having a moment. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong is coming out. So it, 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 I do really appreciate how like how how little you have to know about DC at large. But if you do, there's still like a lot of fun stuff. Completely agree with that. It, this is a series that you don't need to know anything going in. It is going to be gigantic kaiju versus Justice League fun. Right. But but there are so many Easter eggs in there if you are fans of these other, other properties, which is exactly mm -hmm. what you want from something like this. You want to give something totally. to the fans that are there for like the Godzilla, for the King Kong. But then you also get it's just fun. It is a fun comic that you it's don't have to think about very much. Just go into it. Have a blast. It is going to be a seven issue run. Oh, cool. Okay. At this time, I've read three. You've read four of the issues. Mm -hmm. And we're about to talk about your upcoming book, Youth Group. But we can let our listeners know that in the future, once we can actually have a spoiler discussion on Youth Group, would yes. love to bring you back on so we can finish talking about these final four issues of Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong, as well as having that in-depth 
uh, youth group discussion. Yes, of course. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm definitely gonna gonna keep reading this. Uh, keep reading this series. So yes, please count me in. Count me in for another uh, episode soon. Love it. And that that gets us right into what something that I'm truly excited to talk about with you, and that is your upcoming graphic novel, Youth Group, which again I've had the pleasure of reading. And I fully expect this book to be on our best of 2024 end of year episode. Oh, my God. Thank you. That's so nice. I had so much fun with this story from beginning to end. And as somebody that reads slow and tends to need to take (laughs) breaks in comics, I couldn't stop reading this book. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's really nice of you to say. Oh my gosh, yeah. I I wonder, going into this, uh, were you a youth group kid growing up? I was. I grew up okay. in a very religious <laughs> home. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, not Easter eggs, but little, little, little things in there that I think people who were part of these kinds of like teen Bible studies will recognize. Uh, I, 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 hopefully the, some of the cringe is familiar. Yes, the the cringe was very familiar, <laughs> and I, I the the comedy in this is so sharp. Oh, thanks. It it just hits really well. There's a few jokes that go along with with Kay and the so our main protagonist Kay with her character. She is reluctantly attending this youth group at the request of her mother for the potential of being able to apply to colleges in a in the state where she would like to go to to give her yes. more opportunities. So she reluctantly agrees to go on this journey, but it quickly turns into what she thought would just be these religious squares sitting around <laughs> singing Kumbaya, which there is the 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 fun Christian rock parody songs involved right. here as well. Mm-hmm. But they soon learn something extremely exciting. And would you like to let our listeners know what she discovers? Sure, yes. As you mentioned, our main character has to join this goofy Bible study, doesn't really want to be there, doesn't really believe in it all. Uh, but she she finds out that the uh the 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 goofballs that run the Bible study are doing actual exorcisms. So they are kind of in the middle of this war with these demons from hell, and she gets pulled into it all. So she has to go from uh, you know, being a little embarrassed to being there to you know, having to like fight for her life alongside these people. So yeah, I, uh, I, I always kind of wanted to set something in one of those Bible studies just because I grew up in one and there's such weird, funny, uh, very often cringy places and just seemed like a great place for comedy. And uh, yeah. And I thought it, you know, and then just kind of uh, got the idea to fold in some actual demon fighting. There is this perfect balance of respect for the upbringing of someone that was raised very religious, but yeah. then also having this comedic skepticism included. Because you can have plenty of books that just tear into religion in general. Sure. But this does such a great job of saying, yeah, I don't believe in like these things. I'm very skeptical about this. But there's also a level of respect that Kay starts to demonstrate for those that are in this group that she she very much grows as an individual and she realizes that the people that are involved here, they aren't this thing that she needs to avoid. There are people that she can still get along with and the relationships that she develop are really turned into something beautiful. Yeah. I, I thanks. That's nice of you to say. We definitely like wanted to, to, to walk that line and uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll take a minute here to shout out the artist on this book is the great Bowen McGurdy uh, who does a great series called Spectre inspectors over there at boom comics and has done work for Marvel in the past and is just a general um, 
you know, a general uh, 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 gosh darn genius. And yeah, something we kind of talked about early on is like, you know, Mormons like the play Book of Mormon. You know, I think that yes. Mormons enjoy going to see that. You know, I'm not speaking for all Mormons here, but I, I, I think it has been well documented that like a big you know, a big group that really enjoyed that musical is actual Mormons who enjoyed the the spoof, kind of seeing that their their world spoofed in that way and like using actual specifics from their world. And, you know, the characters in that are <laughs> dumb idiots. But, <laughs> you know, I think in 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 many cases have actual good intentions. So I think that's kind of what what we wanted to go for of like, you know, there's so many religious characters in fiction that are like evil um, for good reason. There are many evil religious people who do evil things in the name of religion. But there are also, you know, well-intentioned people who are just trying their best. And maybe you or I don't agree with everything, but, you know, are 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 not are not wicked to their core. Uh, so I think we wanted to avoid making them evil. And we also wanted to avoid making them dummies. I think that there's a lot of like, you know, dumb dumbs when, when people, uh, uh, you know, try and write religious characters into things. And again, there's a lot of dumb dumbs in religion and, you know, everywhere else in the world. But I think, I think we, we wanted to, you know, make them more sympathetic. We wanted to make them funny and ridiculous and, you know, cringy at times, but we wanted to make them like real characters. And I think that, that, you know, there's, there's, you know, something that's happening in the story is that like everyone is realizing that they have different opinions than everyone else, but they all want to get together for a common goal. And I think that, yeah, that's, I think, something we kind of wanted to talk about in the book is, like, no matter who you're working with, you are going to find differences with, uh, but you have to work together or else else we're just going to be fighting each other all the time. So, anyway, it's 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 a little, uh, that, that, that maybe makes it sound a little more highfalutin than it actually, actually is, but I think it's an idea that we wanted to, like, play with. Yeah, and there are some very interesting team-ups within this yeah. storyline. I'm not going any spoilers with that, but the the reveal of some some allies that are involved it it was just so good I, I had so much fun when there was these these reveals about who else was involved in this in this world building yeah thanks future readers of youth group will be very excited to see those reveals as well but i i have to bring up meg oh yeah sure meg is is the she's the youth group leader uh, so she or she is the young person that is essentially the leader of this group underneath Pastor Doug. Yes. So, yeah, all all of the you know, if you didn't go to one of these kinds of Bible studies, like there was the pastor of the church and then the youth group was led by like a cool 20 something who's like, I, I was a teen not that long ago. I get where you're coming from. So, yeah, that's that's Meg. She is the like kind of cool 20 something who has to teach this Bible study and as it turns out, do most of the demon fighting. She truly it, throughout this book, she exudes love and acceptance and hope and strength was the character for her from the inception to be that, that role or was her magnetism kind of a developmental process of realizing what the book needed and then making her that way. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a really interesting question. I think that like, 
you know, as a, uh, you know, I think I would describe myself as cheerfully agnostic when it comes to religion. But I think you kind of like, if you're looking at it from the outside, you kind of have this, have this, how do I put this? If you like, there's there's this ideal religious person that you wish existed, right? And it's somebody who who believed in all of the good stuff that's in the Bible. Like, for instance, um, you know, <laughs> helping the less fortunate. We can all get behind that. I don't care Absolutely. what kind of, I don't care how lefty commie pinko you are. Helping the less fortunate, a good thing that's in the Bible. So I think we all, you know, you have this kind of religious person that you you wish existed, and I think does exist, but but is not as loud and obnoxious as some of the, um, you know, uh, people in you know like conservative media or something like that. Right. But just this like person who who is into the like love thy neighbor stuff, and I think I I kind of wanted her to be that, and I do know like I have those people in my life. I'm like this. You know, I, you know, I might not share, you know, a faith with this person, but I share their values. Like, so yeah, I, th- I think we wanted her to be that, just like a a a person who is, is kind of taking all of the good parts of religious education and using it to like be a hero. Her relationship with Kay is beautiful. The just the relationships in general. There is a lot of deep discussions about relationships with parents and how their views are going to differ, but then still them being able to come together and still having a strong bond, despite having certain core beliefs being divergent from one another. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like how, how, how we wish the world worked a little bit more, you know, youth group is a, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's a kind of a prayer in ways. Like it's a like, Hey, wouldn't it be great (laughs) if, if, if people, dealt with differences in this way. Uh, and, you know, I, we don't have all the answers. We're just, you know, comic book morons. But um, <laughs> I, I think we 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 think about this stuff. And, and, and I think we wanted to tell a story where people had a lot of different belief systems, but still worked together to keep the world from being destroyed. Well, another question I was going to ask was, what are you hoping readers draw from the series? But I think that kind of answers the question right there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hope I, I hope that's it. I hope I hope that you know, I hope that we we all can see that <laughs> our world could be destroyed. It could happen. Uh, might not be from demons from hell, but it could be from some other stuff. And yeah, I, I thought it'd be fun to just tell a story about, you know, people working together. And even though they don't agree, they still kind of get together and get it done. Love it. Again, I I cannot recommend Youth Group enough to our listeners. The book is going to drop on July 16th of this year mm-hmm. but please get those pre-orders in now oh, yeah from your lips from your lips to god's ears absolutely <laughs> yeah you can pre-order it now uh anywhere you get a book amazon barnes and noble uh your local indie bookstore great place to do that um yeah bits.ly slash youth group book you can go to that website and see the great cover you can see a bunch of the art and you get all those pre-order links um yeah boy i i still don't quite know why this is the case but pre-orders really help books oh my gosh uh your listeners probably know that i'm sure they have a poll list and uh definitely you know pre-order stuff they're wanting to check out so i'm probably preaching to the choir here but um yeah if it sounds like a cool idea and if you uh if you check out the art and dig it um would would love it if you'd pre-order it's a little gift you can get your future self 
We will leave the links to where you can pre-order these books in the show notes of the show. So just click below. You'll figure out exactly where you need to go. Put in those pre-orders because please, this this book needs to be read. It is an oh, absolute thanks. blast. There is so much heart in the story, but there's also a lot of excitement and battles. And I, it is it is exactly what I hoped it would be and exceeded expectations after you told me the premise behind it. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. That's nice of you to say. And definitely, yeah, we talked about some of the big themes, which are definitely in the book, but there's just like a lot of jokes and demon fighting and stuff too. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully one of those things appeals to you. Yeah. So many Easter eggs, so many fun references. I, I love the fact that it's set in the nineties, but it doesn't matter like what era, what area or what year in the nineties. It's just in the nineties. Just know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just didn't want people making TikTok videos in the story, basically. We're like, eh, we don't have to deal with this. <laughs> don't want to deal with that social media side of things. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Love it. All right, Jordan, where can our listeners find you? Uh yeah, I am uh I'm on on the Instagram over there at Jordan David Morris. And again, more stuff about the book, bit.ly slash youth group book. And yeah, over there on Instagram, I'll be posting about any any events we have coming up. If uh uh hopefully we're gonna be at some some cons and signings and stuff like that when the book drops. And uh yeah, I'll have more pre-order stuff up there too. If there's anybody offering uh, you know, discounts, uh if we're doing signed copies anywhere, uh hit us up at uh hit, hit me up there on on Instagram and and uh, you'll get that info when I post it. Thank you so much, Jordan, for joining me for this episode. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm looking forward to coming back and talking about the rest of the book. This, is, this has been a ton of fun. Yes, I, I'm very excited to talk about the rest of the Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. But especially, there's so many things I want to talk about with Youth Group right now that I, I know it's going to be a very fun discussion when you come back. And we can talk full spoilers for that later this year. Cool, man. Yeah, can't wait. That'll be fun. It's time to close the book on Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong and Youth Group. So until next time, this is Lance. And this is Jordan. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer. 